5. So, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Pray for Jacinda. Um, she's not feeling well. She's um, um, staying home today. She will miss our young people's program later. So, pray for those people who are not well. And uh, we'll ask the Lord for their, um, their uh, well-being. Let's... Um, just follow with your eyes, I will read these verses from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the principle of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So I'll stop from there and let's uh, pray. Our Father God... Lord, thank you for this morning once again for bringing us together. I pray, Lord, that you will open our minds and open our hearts, that we may understand and comprehend uh, this passage of Scripture and many others, that you will add to our understanding, Lord, and, and give us, O oh God, the wisdom and that uh, things that will be able also to um, help our, um, uh, the young people or uh, the people around us that do not know you. Please, Lord, uh, be with us um, throughout this service and touch my mouth and my lips. Give me boldness. Give me utterance. Enable me, Lord, to speak your word. And, um, Lord, um, uh, do not allow me to speak those things that you, you, you don't want me to speak. And I pray that um, the hearts of the people are ready and the Holy Spirit of God, Lord, um, will have a course, uh, will have um, an access to their hearts this morning. And bless all of us, give us victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to continue the message that uh, we've started last week about the issues concerning the youth. This is now the part two of that message. And our message is now will be funneled to these verses in the scripture because this talks about these doctrinal uh, things. And... Um, we, we talked about last week, as we know, that um, there are biblical answers to the problems of the youth. There are things that God already prepared for them that they may be able to follow God in their young age. Amen. And um, the biblical answers to their problems are already laid down in this book, in the Bible. As you know, that youth is a time when our values and future faith are being set. That is when the time that the person is young. So some of the people's biggest mistakes in life are made in their youth. And they had, you know, uh, bad effects for the rest of their lives, many of them. So there are things concerning our youth. We've been through this. A lot of us are parents now. And we, ex we experienced some of this firsthand. And we saw these things happening to people uh, by, by way of acquaintance or people that we know that have this problem. And these are the things that are very common uh, problems of the youth. We talked about last week uh, the peer group acceptance. We've tackled that. And also that... Um, we encourage the youth to trust God with the future. Amen. And um, we also talk about what career to choose. 
And partly, we started last week, what church to choose. And perhaps today we will be focusing on this. But there are a few others as well. I believe that we cannot finish this in this um, setting alone. Because today, I might be focusing on this subject of what church to choose. And then there will be five others that how to get on well with parents, choosing a boyfriend or girlfriend or a spouse. And um, the topic about how to handle money, uh, this is for the young people. How to uh, court biblically and, and reject intimate relationship before marriage. And how to cure boredom. So these are the topics that uh, you'll be expecting to be um, preached in our pulpit in the coming um, um, preaching times. So again, just a recap of what we had um, discussed last, last week about peer group acceptance. In Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 6, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, that he meditate uh, day and night. Um, verse number um, 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but, like, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So what God wants the young people to know is that um, uh, it is encouraged for young people to reject and avoid an ungodly peer group. It's better to have no friends than to have peer group or friends that will lead you astray. And pray for the Lord that God will give you friends because, you know, we are sociable beings. We are, we are created by God for relationship. So therefore, it is really the will of God also for us to have friends. But Satan will also give you friends. So be mindful of that person or people that you are with. Pray for the Lord. Pray that the Lord will give you godly friends. But again, whatever it is, do not feel lonely. Do not feel lonely because remember, the Lord Jesus is the best friend who sticks closer than a brother. Amen. The Lord Jesus is enough. But God will give you more. You see, if you really want to have more friends, start soul winning. Because when you start soul winning, you will have a lot of friends, more than you can manage. They will be bugging you all the time. <laughs> because you are friendly. Again, that's peer group. Be careful with that. Stick what God is, you know, um, God wants you to have. And uh, another thing that we discussed last week, trusting God with your future. Because in many cases, young people are discouraged to trust God of their future because they, are, they, they observe the faithful men and women uh, of the ministry, faithful men and women of the Lord, and they suffer uh, gravely because of their faith. And that puts the children off. They don't want to be faithful to God because they will suffer. But again, uh, there are other times that young people are reluctant to obey God because they think when they obey God, they will lose something. And they don't like it. They want to have freedom. And that's why they don't want to fully trust in the Lord. 
But boys and girls, whatever happens in the future, trust in the Lord. Put your trust in God and do not give in, especially for, you know, the young boys and young girls. Do not give in to intimate relationship before marriage. Do not give in. There is a spiritual blessing in waiting. And you will have more trust uh, with your spouse if, you know, both of you will wait until marriage. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, name it, name it, what's in your mind. All these things, God will add it to you. But you have to seek first God's kingdom. What is God's kingdom? The things of God, the work of God, the, the, the souls of men, the Bible, the church. You know, things about the church, things about God. Those are the things, especially the souls of men. Again, uh, we, we talk um, uh, about what career to choose. While, you know, we encourage each one, our young people, to pursue a career, but first and foremost, be absolutely committed to doing God's will in your life. That must be the first consideration. Do the, the will of God in your life. God wants you uh, or wants to use you to tell people about the salvation in the Lord. Amen. God wants to use you. And, and to, to be a soul winner. So make it a priority in your life. Whatever career you are, going to make, you are going to take, make it, my friend, that you should aim to be a soul winner first. Whether you are a doctor, be a soul winner. Whether you are an engineer, be a soul winner. Whether you are a teacher, be a soul winner. Or you are a plumber, you are a carpenter, be a soul winner. Or whatever career you are doing, be a soul winner. Because that is the will of God in your life. Go ye therefore. That's you. That's me. When God said, go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. As the Father had sent me, even so send I you. God is sending us whatever position you have in this world. You must be first and foremost a soul winner. And now we are going to focus, we talk partly um, with this um, topic about what church to choose. Because time will come, you young people will be leaving your place. Time will come that you will move. Young people, you may be moving to another place because of work. Because of studies, because of your perhaps relationship, but you must consider seriously which church you would be a part of. Because it is important that you must be a part of a church. You must, it must be important that you must be working for the Lord wherever you are. But again, it must be a church where you can be used to God, you can serve God faithfully. If you are faithful here, then you must be still faithful in the other church. And if you are not, you know, so effective here because of a lot of uh, circumstances, you must be, you know, increasing your faithfulness in the Lord in other places. Now, a church that we recommend here is, it must be, you know, must have this criteria, must have this, you know, um, um, prevailing principle in the church because there are so many churches around and you cannot tell which one to go. The church must be 
an ecclesia. Ecclesia means a called out assembly. That church must be a called out of the world. Now, if that church will try to uh, mean uh, tries to be like the world, if that church tries to win people in a worldly way, that church is not a biblical church. So, better avoid that kind of church when the church will become so worldly. A true church must hold the principles of the doctrine of Christ. That is what we read in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Now, it says here, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Now, when the, the Bible sometimes, you know, you have to understand this because it's not for us to leave the doctrine of Christ. But rather, um, we keep the doctrine of Christ. Uh, we we, we um, indulge ourselves into learning the doctrine of Christ. After that, you keep it there and you move on to build up your faith in the Lord in a, you know, a different sphere and in a, in a higher sphere. In the... Uh, it's like a building. It's a building structure. Uh, when builders build a building, first, of course, they will lay the foundation. When they lay the foundation, you are not going to finish by just laying the foundation. You cannot linger in just, when you finish the foundation and you linger there, that's what exactly what happens if you do not move on to the next part of the job. Here, when, when, when the building is, uh, when the foundation is laid, then the builder must move on to the next stage. So stop lingering on the foundation stage. Complete the structure that God has, you know, uh, designed and purpose in your life. In our Christian life, we are saved already. That's a foundation. We are already um, um, redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know already baptism. We know already um, all these, uh, the doctrines, the basic doctrines of the church. We know that. After we know that, we have to move on. But not forsaking or for forgetting them, but keeping them in our hearts, but we move on. Because along the way, as we move on, there are people who do not know this basic foundation. So we are the ones to teach these um, new people the basic foundation. This is what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, not forgetting, but move on. Let us go on unto perfection. Step up. Do the next stage. Complete the next stage because it, you know, you keep going on until you will have a perfect structure that will become beneficial to the people. So here, uh, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God or the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. All of this we know. M many of us know all of these things. So let us move on to the next level. So again, after we learn the doctrines of Christ, let us grow. All of us must step up. But for the new Christians, these are important. The doctrines of Christ, um, the doctrine of Christ is very important for new Christians. The principle of the doctrine of Christ are very uh, needful. These principles are foundational doctrine. Now what are they mentioned in verse number one? 
Um, first, it talks about repentance from dead works. Now, the prerequisite to salvation is that a sinner must um, forsake all hope or any hope he has um, from any of his work to earn salvation. Because salvation is not by works. It is very clear in the Bible that um, salvation of man is not of works, but by grace through faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8. Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. So not of baptism, not of any good works, not of church attendance, not of giving to the poor, not of you know, uh, uh, doing any uh, good works that you can think of. Good works are good. We can do it. But now, these good works cannot be the basis by which we can be saved. So make that um, clear in your mind that we are we are um, commanded by God to do good, but our doing of good things are not the, you know, is not the basis that it can make a person saved. Because salvation is by grace through faith. In verse number um, 9 of Ephesians chapter 2, Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. You see the phrase, created in Christ unto good works. So good works are required not for us to be saved by works, but because we are saved by the, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is repentance from dead works and also faith towards God. So this is one of the foundation of our of um, belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith towards God. So salvation is by grace through faith. Grace is God's undeserved favor in the Lord Jesus Christ. So faith is believing and claiming um, God's promises in the Bible, not because of ourselves, but because oh, this is the gift of God. And this gift of God must be received. The gift of God must be claimed and not earned because the act of receiving Christ as Savior is the act of faith. I hope and pray that um, this um, salvation, um, the doctrine of salvation is already uh, settled in our hearts. But if not, then I think we need to talk about this and you can come to me and talk to me. And also, um, the Bible tells us here about Hebrews chapter 6, verse number, verse number 2, of the doctrine of baptisms. You can see the plural uh, term there, baptisms. Why this plural? How many baptisms are there? Now, as we know, we are Bible Baptist Church. We are baptized by water. But there is this another baptism that, you know, uh, you do not know. And we do not, we, do not, we do not see in our eyes because this is by faith. So the first um, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This happens when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. 
when you receive Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse number 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. When you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your life, when you say, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. Lord, um, um, forgive me of my sins. Lord, by faith, I open my heart. Come into my life and save my soul. In that request of yours, the Holy Spirit, the, the Lord Jesus Christ will come into your life. That is, you know, you are engulfed, the whole being, by the Holy Spirit of God. That is what we call baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 13. For by one Spirit, you see, the only person that administered this baptism of the Holy Spirit, not a person, not human being, it is Christ himself. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one that will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. That is also what John said about, about uh, the Lord Jesus, that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He said here, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. When we receive the Lord Jesus Christ at salvation, in our, at the point of our redemption, at the point of our salvation, we are baptized into his body. That is the moment that we receive him. So no person, again, I will repeat this, no pastor can administer this baptism of the Holy Spirit, but the Lord himself. Now, do you want to be baptized into the body of Christ? You, you should come to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to come into your life. And he will do that for you. Now, secondly, the other baptisms. Because this is the doc, of the doctrine of baptisms. Plural. And this second baptism is a baptism in water. This is a baptism after salvation. It must be, first and foremost, a person must be saved first before he can be baptized with water. So in Acts chapter 10, verse number 47, to give us clarity in this, um, we do not talk too much about these two baptisms, but um, I talk a lot of things about baptism, especially when we have uh, coming baptism, so I always discuss this. But this um, baptism in water is very clear. In verse number 47 of the book of Acts, chapter 10. Can any man forbid water that this should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Now, Apostle Peter received the Holy Ghost. He's saved. He received Jesus Christ. He is bound to go to heaven. He is redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. He received already. And he got baptized also in water. These people, they received the Holy Ghost already, but they have not been baptized in water yet. So, Apostle Peter was asking the rest of the disciples, are we not going to baptize these people, saying they already received the Holy Ghost? Just like if the people here are saved, but they are not baptized. Are we not going to baptize them? They are already saved. Because baptisms, qualification, I mean, uh, the qualification for baptism is salvation. So, if the person is saved, he is candidate for baptism. So these people are already candidate for baptism because they have the Holy Spirit in them. So they are candidate for baptism. 
So Peter, at the end of that, as you see in verse number 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then prayed they him to, to tarry certain days. So Peter ordered the water of baptism on them. Now, another doctrine uh, that is basic to the, um, the church and for, for the people of God is the laying on of hands. Laying on of hands. Go back to um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 2. Of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on of hands. Now, laying on of hands, this is what we use for the setting apart of men for the ministry. When we, set, um, when we set apart a person to the ministry, we will lay our hands on him. To give approval, to give, you know, blessing. We seek God's blessing upon us and we pass on the blessing to them. So this is the laying on of hands, sitting apart of men in the ministry. Um, um, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Verse 1, now there were in the, in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manain, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. Remember, the request is coming from the Holy Spirit. I don't know. You might be asking, oh, God is asking the church? It means like God is subject to the church? No, the Lord is not subject to the church. The church is subject to Christ. But here, God has given the church authority to send whomsoever we send. So the Holy Spirit is impressing upon the church to separate these men, but it is the church that will send them out. The Lord will call them, but the church will send them out. The Lord called me to be um, um, a missionary, but the church in Mabolo, in Cebu City, sent me away. So these people were called by the Holy Spirit, by God. Saul and Barnabas were called by God, but the church sent them out. See how important the church is. The church is the one that will send these people out. So, again, that is the laying on of hands to separate men for the ministry. This is the, you know, uh, sanctifying them, uh, setting them apart. Another doctrine uh, here that is basic is the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. The second coming... Um, of the Lord Jesus Christ must be premillennial. That means before his reign, because he's going to reign uh, a thousand years. That's the word millennial, millennium, uh, millennium, one thousand, one thousand years, and that is literal, and that is visible, the visible return of Christ to the earth, and along with a bodily resurrection of the just. After 1,000 years after that, after the, year of, the, 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 the reign of Christ, 1,000 years, that, the beginning of that is the resurrection of the just. The end of that is the resurrection of the unjust, the dead. So that means there is a 1,000 year apart between the just and the unjust. The people that will go to heaven, 
and the people that will go to hell, I mean, will go to the lake of fire. So there, the resurrection of the dead is the basic foundation of our, um, uh, the doctrine of Christ. And also, the eternal judgment. In verse number 6 again, Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 2. Out of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. That means that the unsaved person, upon dying, will go to a literal hell fire where they remain in torment. That is what God said. That is what the Bible revealed to us. That when the person is not, if the person died and he's not saved, he will go straight to hell. Into the torment. Where is that pastor? Luke, um, Luke chapter 19, verse number 23. Luke chapter 19, verse number 23. And he said, um, sorry, um, 16. Verse number 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. And moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And notice verse number 23. And in hell, the moment that the rich man died, immediately he went to hell. And when he went to hell, he lifted up his eyes. And, and being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and said to him, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. And then, you know, the, res the, the response of Abraham. Son, you know, remember thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. And Lazarus evil things. And now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, there is a gulf between, between you and him. A gulf fixed. That they that would come, uh, that would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither that you would, uh, neither, um, where is that? Verse number 25. But Abraham said, Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented, and beside all this, between us and you, there is a great goal fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him into my father's house. All his senses is still there. He could see, he could sense, he could, he could feel, he could taste. All the five senses are there. Being in torment. And we, we know this. This is the time where the person, if he is not saved while he was alive then he will go to this lake of fire, to hell fire, until the end of Christ's 1,000-year reign on the earth. He will get out of hell. Not really. But what will happen to him when hell is finished, that hell will be moved to the lake of fire. So that means he's there for all eternity. From hell... To the lake of fire. 
uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse number 14 and 15. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Remember, there are millions already in hell. Millions upon millions, there have been billions already in hell. And this hell is not going to be filled with souls. So much souls there in agony, in torment. And, and this hell will, will, will be stopped when Jesus Christ will, you know, uh, after the reign of Jesus Christ. But the problem, it doesn't mean that this hell will stop and people can get out from there, the souls can get out from there. No, because this hell will just be taken and put into the lake of fire. Um, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. My friends, brothers and sisters, my desire is all of us will be saved. But make sure, make sure upon your own selves that you have Jesus Christ in your life. Because if you do not have Jesus Christ in your life, no matter how many times you come to this church, this church cannot save you. Only Jesus can save you. Make sure because as much as I want, I want all of you to go to heaven. I want all of us to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. But if you will not do it upon your own volition, if you will not accept Jesus Christ as your own Savior because this salvation that God has given to us is personal. This is not for the entire church. This is for every person. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, put your name there. Change that word whosoever and put your name. That, you know, Samuel believes, believe it in God, should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants us to understand that this lake of fire is a terrible place. People will joke about it because they are fooled and they are deceived by Satan. But Jesus Christ knows that this place is a terrible place. In fact, in fact, Satan is not happy there. Look at this verse. Verse number 10. Revelation 20 verse number 10. Do you think that he is like, you know, enjoying his life there? No. Satan himself is in torment. Notice that. Verse number 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented. Satan will be tormented. He is not the king of hell. God owns hell too. Satan is just, you know, he will be tormented. The, the Lord has, you know, um, um, uh, this, this uh, creation of God, Satan, I mean Lucifer, he rebelled against God and he waged war against God and God will just laugh at him. God just laugh at him because God knows his end. And now he's going to be tormented. He's going to be in pain. Satan will be, will be in agony. 
But the problem is, along with the unsaved people, will go there. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. I want you to know that hell is not for you. The hell is not for me. Hell is not prepared for us. Hell is only prepared for Satan, but Satan deceived us. But God sent a way so that you can escape hell. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, so that you will get out of this place and you can get out. And this is what the Bible says in Matthew 25, verse 41. Then shall He say and also unto them, these are people that deceived by Satan, on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. This is lake of fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. The hell is prepared for the devil. Hell is prepared for Satan and his angels. Not for you. If you go to hell, I, I cannot tell why. But if you go to hell, it's your own fault. Because Jesus Christ, God, did everything that he could do. Jesus Christ did everything. He died on the cross on agony. And people covered his eyes and smote him and prophesied who smote thee. He plucked the, uh, the bird and, and pierced his side, nailed him on the cross, nailed, uh, um, uh, pierced his feet. And he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's because of you. The Lord Jesus Christ did everything for you. Now, if you go, anyway, if you die and go to hell, it's your problem because Jesus Christ did already everything for you to be saved from hell. In Matthew 25, verse 46, verse 46, and this shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Everlasting, that means. There is no second chance, my friend. If your life is not right in the sight of God right now, you better correct it right now. Because there is no second chance. If a person will go there, remember what we read. In Luke chapter 16, verse number 25 somewhere. It said, Son, Remember thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and Lazarus evil things. Now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you, there is a great goal fixed that they would, that would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So there, in other words, no one can cross over. If the person dies without Christ, he will go to hell and go to hell forever. If the person receives Christ, he will be with God for, for all eternity. Because this is everlasting. Without end. This is a place. And again, this is a, a, a tormenting place. It's sudden God if you will not receive Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ did everything so that you will escape this place. Again, this, are the, this, this is the kind of church. Young people, if you go to another place, do not attend a church that will not teach this. Do not, you know, just be a member, oh, this is a Christian church, and I think um, this is a little bit different, but I think this is okay. No, know what they are teaching. Know what they are teaching. Do not allow that, you know, um, you will be joining a church that will not teach about the doctrine of Christ. The Apostle John, look at this. The Apostle John said this. 
in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. 1 John 1, 9, he said, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. The one that I we have mentioned. He hath not God. That church doesn't have God at all. It seems like they have God, but actually they don't have God. Because they are not teaching the doctrine of Christ. He abideth not, he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. You see, if the person will bring another gospel, if the person will bring another doctrine, he is not of God. And he is doing evil deeds. So that is what John said. And he states, if anyone, he has not, uh, if anyone doesn't have the doctrine of Christ. It's very, you know, hard, hard um, um, statement. It's very um, um, upfront and, and harsh. But that is the truth. Now, on the, on the flip side of the coin, the churches do not bring the doctrine of Christ, but the problem is they are bringing a lot of wrong doctrines. That is why you young people must be very careful about the doctrines of um, the churches. Know their doctrine. Because some, some church think that baptism makes a baby a child of God. Uh, you can find that. A lot of, a lot of that in... You know, in the um, Anglican Church, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the Anglican Church, if you are baptized as a baby, you become, you know, a child of God. You become inheritor of the kingdom of heaven. That's what you can find in their Anglican prayer book, Catechism. But there is a problem to this. The word of God is a problem because it states in John 1.12, how to become a child of God in John 1.12. Not by baptism where they believe that it can make them a child of God. The Bible is very clear how to become a child of God. Verse number 12, John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Not baptism. There is no power in baptism that can make a person a child of God. There is none. Some, some churches baptize babies, and you know what, what are these churches that baptize babies? Some sprinkle babies and call it baptism. Yet, baptism, in the, by, by its definition, is immersion. How can sprinkling immerse a child? How can pouring to the head immerse? You can only immerse. You go to a pool of water and then dip the person underneath the water. That makes, you know, the, the, the right um, definition of the term baptism. Because baptism is no other definition but immersion. That is the only definition of baptism, immersion. Not sprinkling, not pouring. And again, there are some churches that uh, call themselves amillennial. Oh, if you find a church that, that call themselves amillennial... Avoid the church. Because that church do not teach prophecy or the second coming of Jesus Christ. They do not believe it. They do not believe in the second coming of Christ. 
They are not believing that Christ will return to earth to rule for a thousand years. They do not believe it. They do not believe the, 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 the words of God in the book of Revelation. They do not believe it. 25% of our Bible is about prophecy of the second coming of Jesus Christ. 25% of the, in the Bible. You divide this into four, you can find that, that thick. That thick of the scripture will tell you that this is about the second coming. There's a lot of verses and chapters and, and, and books in the Bible you will discard if you do not believe in the second coming. Because it's all here, written in this book. And if the church will, will say that they are a millennial, or you better you know, stop going to the church. Reject that church that will, that will reject the 25% of the Bible. Reject that. It will be very difficult for us to fellowship with the church that do not believe the Bible. The high Anglican church is 95% Roman Catholic. These people said, yep, they are from there. <laughs> They know it because they, they grew up in that church, the Anglican church. There's a, a higher, uh, higher church and there's a lower church. I mean, um, these are the, you know, the, the separation between those people that will stick to the rituals and those people that do not agree with that. But they are still in Anglican church. But again, the Bible will tell us a lot of things. Some churches think that it is all right to ordain women as pastors. I, I will tell you, I have no problem if women will become pastors. I have no problem. But the problem there is the Bible. <laughs> the Bible is the problem. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 12, if only there's no verses in the Bible that go against it, it's fine. If people will baptize infants, I'm okay as long as the Bible is okay. But the problem, the Bible is against it. And here, the, 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 the women to become pastors, look, look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. I suffer not a woman to teach nor to absorb authority over the man, but to be in silence. In other words, Apostle Paul said, I, I am not allowing the women to absorb authority. The women um, are, you know, are placed there in silence. So, uh, again, this is what the Bible says. The best way is follow it. And many churches do not maintain high standards of behavior. They allow wide range of false belief and wrong doctrines. Why? In order to keep the large crowd. They want Everyone, you know, come as you are, whatever you bring, you are welcome here. But no, it's, go it's going to be a problem if there's a lot of sin, a lot of errors, and a lot of false doctrines uh, roaming around. And everyone, they, don't, they have their own belief in one church. It's not going to uh, work well with the work of God. And many churches also tolerate all this, that. Uh, false charismatic doctrines, the tongues, the slaying in the spirit, the false healings and false prophecies. They allow all this in many, many churches. 
And many churches also promote modern version of the Bible. Modern version of the Bible, you know, they take away a lot of verses from the King James, from the Textus Receptus. They remove a lot of that. There are only 2% were removed. A pastor is just small, 2%. Now, I will tell you this 2%, how, how, how small is this? There are 700, 782, I think 82 or 83,000 words in the whole canon of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. 782, about 780 plus thousand words in the canon of Scripture. Remove 2%. For 100,000, there's 2,000 words. Multiply it by 7, 700,000. There are 14,000 words. 14,000 words removed. It's not a lot. Eh? <laughs> we cannot even allow one word. Because Jesus Christ was saying, if you will remove one jot or one tittle. Uh, let's take a look in Revelation. Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. And what does Jesus Christ said about removing or adding? He said here, verse number 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Verse 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things which are written in this book. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ had spoken in John chapter 12, verse number 48. That the word Jesus had spoken, the same shall judge the man in the last day. In other words, the, the thing that will judge you in the last days is here. Yeah. It's all in here. When you face Jesus Christ, you will, never, you will never hear different words. You will hear all your judgment is here. All my judgment is here. If you read your Bible and you... You face Jesus Christ, there's no surprise. Because you already, he already, no, what, what does it say there? He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word, this word, the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last days. That is why we cannot neglect the word of God. Yeah. You know, eat it. Immerse yourself. Study it. You know, page by page. Do not just, you know, skim reading. Read it. Underline it. Understand it. Then whatever you understood from the, from the scripture. Or, yo, I found this in another verse. You write that verse on the side. And then you can compare scripture with scripture. Why is that? Because this is the word that will judge us. The word that Jesus Christ has spoken. 
My friend, um, I cannot finish this again. Um, we have a lot of uh, things to, um, to, to tackle, but I will leave this for now. But actually, these are the doctrine, basic doctrine. For the, the many of us that, that know this doctrine, let us move on to the perfection that is, um, you know, uh, in, the, in the Lord Jesus Christ. But for maybe for the people that are new in the church, for the people, for the young people that they do not know much about this, they have not come across with this, this is very important to them. This is very important doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you go to places, when you go to another city, look for a church that have this uh, doctrine that is stated in Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1 and 2. Alright, so let's uh, bow our heads in prayer. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the blessing that you have given to us. Thank you for your word, Lord. Now it is, for some people, scary. That your word is the one that will judge them. It's all in the Bible, Lord. The judgment that you are going to uh, speak upon the judgment day. Is all there in the scripture. Now, Lord, thank you for the realization. Thank you, Lord, for uh, bringing our attention to this part um, of your word. Oh, God, I pray that all of us will have confidence when you come. All of us, Lord, um, will be hearing you saying, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Father, I pray for the blessing upon our people. And I pray, Lord, that all of us will be serious upon the word of God. All of us will be serious in our searching. All of us will be serious in the scripture. Because you said in, in, in John chapter 5, verse 39, that seek ye the scriptures if you think you have eternal life. For they are they which testify of me. Lord, your word testifies about you. Now, Lord, help us to be diligent in searching your word, in meditating upon your word, and applying uh, the principles in our lives. Lord, once again, I ask your blessing upon your people. And thank you, Lord, for um, uh, your, your goodness to us. Thank you for bringing us into the church this morning. Bless all of us and bless our fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.